Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Good morning, culminators, or depending on where you are, good evening, good afternoon, good day. You could even say, you could even say every day is a good day when you have Viva Fry as your guest on your podcast. This is a guy who is, I first came to my notice when I heard that he trashed some of my best work and, uh, the jury is still out on it. Uh, Viva, come on, come on in and say hi. <laughs> Rob, now I, I, you got to refresh my memory. What worked? I don't think I trash work very often. Yeah, Gavin McInnes versus SPLC. How far back is that going? Over three years. Okay, we're waiting for a decision on the motion to dismiss for three years. Uh, it, in the it's middle not, it's not possible. Of Alabama. That's not possible. How do you get the judges? I mean, in Canada, or at least in Quebec, it's six months maximum for uh, to render a judgment. Yeah, they least. have no rule. They, they're accountable to nobody. And I am. T- I looked into this. What if I would go and get a mandamus from, you know, from the, the Fifth Circuit? And apparently they don't even want to hear from you if it's not five years. <laughs> what do you go get a mandamus? It'll take three years to get the judgment on the mandamus to, to have to. And keep in mind that this is a senior, this is a senior status federal judge. He's sitting on it because he has to, he, notwithstanding what all the wise guys, and it was you and um, uh, who else was it? The other second guesser, um, Nick Rikita, um He can't be dismissed. It's a bulletproof complaint. Something has to, because, I mean, you, you can't dismiss a defamation complaint that says, you said that I did something violent on this day in this place. You could dismiss everything else, but you can't dismiss that. So he's sitting on it. That's okay. Yeah, he's oh, seen his I, he should live to 120. But someday, someday, some other judge is going is to take up that case. <laughs> I well, hope but, my client's alive. Th- that's nuts. But uh, I mean, they could, they could, he could dismiss it on the grounds that potentially judgment proof or defamation proof, I should say. You know that it, it is, it is always, it is always possible. But how you can make a, a finding like that, uh, you know, on the pleadings. Well, especially uh, to the extent they're not allowed. Um, referencing stuff that occurred since then uh you know it, it should be a stronger uh, a less likely probability let's take a step back david freiheit canadian lawyer does goofy videos no real traction just realizes as he's playing around with youtube people love to hear the law stuff you become a, a law blogger, I mean a law a law YouTuber, you know, and you blow up. 
you're you, you know how many how many how many uh subs now not not that i'm counting because it's sort of it's plateaued now that i've made the uh exclusive you know rumble uh, right, right. exclusivity with rumble but uh yeah no it, it went from i hit fifty thousand, i think in 2018 uh, give or take and then it you know sort of exponential now we're at five hundred fifty thousand. The, the growth has flatlined because the focus now is really bringing things over to um to rumble uh because you know a future on rumble is somewhat more somewhat less precarious than a and future I wanna, on, and, on YouTube. And I, I want I want to talk about that. There's so much you and I could and look. Everyone uh, should remember, and uh, if you don't remember, then shame on you. That Viva and I uh, were on the stage together at, at, at a, at a um, Project Veritas event uh, at the, the Freedom Fest, uh, and I was and, and and we were on a panel with it was you and me. Judge um, Kaczynski, Kaczynski, and James um, O'Keefe, and James O'Keefe, and the star, the star of this panel, was Beaver Fry. <laughs> it, 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 it was it was <laughs> embarrassing uh, because you just because you have these um, you have these uh, gr groupies. I mean, you just you just chewed up, chewed up the scenery. It, it was quite funny. I mean, it, it's sort of surreal because we go to Vegas for the Freedom Fest, asked to speak with James O'Keefe, and it's weird to hear people chanting Viva in the crowd. Right. But I think the, 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 the surreal thing about all of this is that we've met through the YouTube. I met James O'Keefe through YouTube. I met Robert Barnes through YouTube. The entire, you know, this law tube thingy thing, or at the very least, the niche of legal commentary, legal analysis has exploded into something that people are loving and people want to see more of but they um, really they really do and you're among the pioneers of, of people who, who have done that and you should be proud of it uh it is it's an incredible phenomenon because typically you know what we've been what we're what the world has gotten used to in terms of legal legal analyst is msnbc or some other network decides who your filter is going to be and that person is going to you know, spin away. And this is, you know, this is true in every area, of course, but people have an incredible appetite to listen to lawyers talk about law. Even though everyone on Twitter has a Twitter law degree and is an expert on, just as they are uh, experts on, uh, you know, uh, infectious diseases and, you know, the electoral college, certainly everyone is an expert on the law. But there is a real interest in hearing people with experience because you weren't how long did you practice 10 years before oh, you a, a good i mean i i've sworn in in 2007 so I, I mean i had a good decade of active commercial litigation i worked at one of the biggest law firms in canada by number of lawyers for now, now stop right there okay yeah. but that was in canada okay and canada is is a different state altogether okay it's, it's one of our nicest states but it is different from the rest of america in that it has like different laws and stuff. When did I always was fascinated by the idea that you were, let's face it, if the action is on this side of <laughs> right, you don't need to mince your words. I, when I say I was from one of the biggest law firms, I worked at one of the biggest law firms in Canada in terms of numbers of lawyers. I think at the time it had 680 nationally. So you compare okay. that to an an an, a law, an office in New York that has six hundred at one right. office. No, but that, um, that's. The, but my real point is, when did you start feeling comfortable talking about 
American cases and American law. Is there enough similarity between the systems that no, you, you know, could wing it? Or... I, I, I've never felt comfortable about it, and that's <laughs> and that's sort of what keeps me. Uh, I won't say humble because that's not the right word, but but on your uh, toes, cautious because uh-huh. it, it's not you know like. I know that I don't understand things, and the whole the whole uh, you know discovery of the channel was if I don't understand something, I'll try to make sense of it for myself. But chances are, if I, as a trained Quebec attorney, don't understand something, other people don't understand it either. And if I can make sense of it for myself, I can probably make sense of it for somebody else without being an expert and with making mistakes from time to time. But you know what really added reassurance to it is as this whole community developed. You could you could bounce ideas off other people, and you could also just be sort of a catalyst or the intermediary for the discussion exploration of ideas. And so, I, I don't need to know Texas procedure um, to be able to you know discuss strategy of a deposition. But if you know if there's a, a meaningful question on Texas law, uh, you know cap on punitive damages, for example, you, by and large you can find the answer yourself. But now there's enough people that you can run things by. And that, that that was the essence of it. It's 10 years of practice. You can learn strategy, which will transcend, you know, by and large procedural rules, substantive law, knowing how to argue, knowing how to listen to questions, listen to answers, knowing you're being lied to. That transcends procedure, that transcends substantive law. But it's also not all that hard in today's day and age to try to make sense of local laws. But be aware, you could easily make a mistake because it's not your your your, your training. Oh, absolutely. And of course, we have 50 different jurisdictions. And and my partner, Harmi Dillon, is always really meticulous, not even to take on an inquiry if we don't have someone in the office. And I mean, an inquiry, if we don't have someone in the office, at least, who is admitted to the bar in the state where, in theory, the action might be brought because she's concerned, and I think maybe excessively, but being as high profile as she is, that's understandable, about unauthorized practice of law in that state, whether someone wants to, you know, tattle on us now or try to attack us, you know, sandbag us down the road if we get involved in something. And, you know, you know that's why I need to be involved with somebody like Harmeet to, because I'm I'm not as careful about things. Well, also, you are targets because of the type of cases that you take on where people right. are going to want to rightly or wrongly try to sabotage you, try to get you in trouble the easiest way as oh, we're sure. seeing it now. Ethics complaints, practicing with whatever. Um, so yeah, you, you make yourself targets by virtue of the cases that you take on. But that's why you guys uh, are, are doing awesome stuff. Well, thank you. I, so so let me ask you: you live in so you live in the United States now. It, it is. I'm on a temporary visa, but uh, uh-huh. we'll we'll see what goes. I mean, the opportunity with Rumble arose. Uh, it was a good time to take your kids out of Canada because Canada seems to be going the wrong way on a one-way street um, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, the opportunity arose and it was not something to to turn down. And it was, it's an experience. Move down to Florida for a bit, experience one season life, experience a flat, humid, hot climate compared to, you know, the mountainous freezing cold that we're used to in Canada. And, um, and we'll see where it goes. But in the meantime, what a heck of a journey it's been. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you're going to tell me, I'm going to move from Canada to Buffalo. Right? <laughs> I'm going to move from Canada to Minnesota. But to move to F- Florida is almost literally the opposite of Canada. It, it, geographically, climate-wise, and like not culturally so much, but it's it's the Wild West down here. I've come down here and I think, I think Florida is like continental Australia. It, it, the people are different in a good way. The climate is different in a good way. Oh, you, like, you, know, you, you actually feel that continental Australia is different in a good way? The people, you know, Florida, the Florida man meme, 
Floridians love freedom. They love, you know, they love their way of life. Um, and also, you know, there's, there's flipping iguanas everywhere. There's iguanas, alligators, snakes, spiders. It's, it really is different, but I do miss the changing of the seasons. I miss the mountains. I miss, you know, fall fishing on a kayak, but uh, th this is where the journey has taken me and uh, we're, we're enjoying it. So, I mean, that you, when did you last, when did you hang up, hang up your red wells? Are you old That's, enough to remember red wells? No, you're thinking hang up my shit or take off my shingle. When did I, when did well, I not? So red wells are those reddish folders where you used to keep paper files. And I, I have, by the way, I don't know if I, you've probably said something like this many, many times. I mean, you, you, you and most law tubers make what your enterprise about is basically second guessing other lawyers. Yeah. Or, 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 or affirming if they've actually done it. Well, That's first right. of all, it is very easy. You make sense, but it's, you know, my father always says those who don't do criticize. It, it is obviously the easy thing to say, well, you could have done this hindsight's 2020, but you know, that's what analysis is about. And then you apply that on a going forward basis to cases that you come across and it's, um, you know, it, it, it makes you better for the future, but yeah, say second guessing, criticizing, or just explaining in some cases. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I know a lawyer who is, I think, overly sensitive on it. I'm, I know someone who's, who was who was very resentful that she does the work, and then people mon people like you monetize, you know, make more money talking about the case than, than, than we do. do. I want to ask who you're talking about, Ron. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I hang around with so many people, but what what, what I want, but, but the reason I, I actually just brought that up right now is that. I always say when 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 whenever commenting on not always but I ha I have a thing that I have recourse to say many times which is if you don't have the red well in other words if you're not really familiar with the file at the end of the day you can make your best guess and I mean look when we do the live streaming of what's going on in trials you can see terrible technique that there's simply no way you can excuse it but by and large you don't know what else is in the file. You don't know what the client is. For example, on the Amber Heard case, I I did keep saying you don't know what she is, what constraints her legal team is acting under that may be confidential or that may be financial or maybe you know. So you can make your best shot at saying I don't understand why someone would do this, but it really, you know. And look, people do it all the time to to to, to me still, you know. You don't want to ever really Google yourself once you get involved in a lot of stuff on the internet. Well, um, you have to be fair in the analysis. I mean, there's critique, questioning, you know, suggesting versus publicly excoriating and, and humiliating are two very different things. And I, I definitely don't think I, I uh, you know, do the latter. Um, but you are obviously a natural teacher. I mean, I could even just listening to you, you know, uh, I myself can hardly stand to watch any, any, to listen to podcasts or listen to i just it's too it's too slow I, I i read 10 times faster than people can talk even people from new york but i do know that when i listen to you i'm hearing you have the ability obviously to really formulate ideas and what you want to say in a very complete way before it comes out of your mouth were you one of those kids who that was your it's something lawyers should be able to do, and it's something certainly law tubers should be able to do. Uh, 
were you one of those kids that they used to say you should you you, you should grow up to be a lawyer when you were you know <laughs> Rotten, it, it, it was the joke when I for, now it's not clear if it was because of me or because of my father because in hindsight now you sort of appreciate when you're in grade four and your name is David Freiheit and there's only one Mortimer Freiheit in the province <laughs> and he's and he's like no where are the way that's the province where are the other Mortimer Mortimer Freiheits well you know what I don't think there's another Mortimer Freiheit in North America there are I don't other think so. Freiheits in Canada but there's only like eight Freiheits in all of Canada or they're worth the time but you appreciate in hindsight. People knew who my dad was, He, especially within the Jewish community, representing certain people, having sued certain people. So he had a reputation that, you know, for good or for bad, uh, I was living under. So when teachers were telling me when I'm in grade four, uh, they didn't say Viva. They said, David, you really should be a lawyer. Your son's going to be a lawyer. It's not clear if it was because of me, because of my father, or because of both. I suspect. So, you're, so uh, this is obvious to you and 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 your and your your groupies, of course. But so your dad is was a lawyer. Oh no, my dad still is a lawyer. He's going to be still eighty in December. He's a he's a lawyer. Right. My sister's a lawyer. Two of my three brothers are lawyers. Uh, let me if I can think of their in laws are lawyers. Uh, my you know it, lawyers through and through. Uh, four of the five kids are are lawyers licensed. Uh, the only one who didn't get his law degree was the oldest one. And he, he tried, but didn't like law made a smarter decision, I guess. But yeah, family of lawyers. So you imagine I'm the youngest of five kids, Friday night dinners, we Friday night dinners was like the original Twitter for us, except <laughs> at the end of the dinner, everybody goes back to, you know, loving each other and, and being friends and family. But we would have heated debates you know, shouting over each other. You had to, you had to fight to get your word in. You had to listen. I mean, it was, it was effectively what, what we're doing now. It was sort of like Twitter minus the anonymous toxicity, but it taught you how to argue. It taught you how to have thicker skin, how to deal with being told you're wrong without crying. Uh, and that was, you know, Friday night dinner, that was pretty much dinner every night. Um, I just want to just, I, you talk about a family of lawyers. This, this is a, one of my set of family lawyer friends. That, that's my friend, Harry back there, but th I, they must have 15 or 20 lawyers in this family. <laughs> The parents, they have, and all the kids go to law school and, uh, you know, and you know, it's funny what you're describing though. Cause I remember when I, I, I made friends with a guy in, in college and we, I lived fairly close to home. It was almost a townie. So I said, you know, why don't you come to my house? My mom makes, you know, a nice dinner and, you know, you'll, and maybe we were going to watch a ball game or something after. And, and he's an assimilated Jewish guy like me. And I was at the time I unassimilated myself. But he said, I guess he was a generation more assimilated because we were basically second generation Jews. He said, I've never been to a house where people talk back to the TV. And I said, well, I should just accept what it says on the what they saying on the TV. I mean, you know, it's like that. It's like it's like that scene in Annie Hall, you know, I mean, like it, that's like you said, it, that 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 was that's Twitter. Everyone has an opinion. Yeah, and uh, and and you, you get used to having to test your opinion. It's not it's not just to say something. If you don't have what to back it up with, one of your siblings is going to call you out, or your dad, who's going to be remorseless and merciless, will say you don't know what you're talking about. Do some research before you start spouting ignorant opinions. And it's not because you cry in an argument that you're going to win. It's not because you're cute and you're the youngest kid that anyone's going to go easy on you. Uh, and that that's what life was like. And it was very beneficial in terms of growing up, not taking things too personally. And not being, uh, not being shy of questioning, and not being shy to being questioned. I'm not sure that everybody these days is being brought up with similar practices and similar habits, but uh, well, uh, it appears that they're not, or that, or that if they are, 
it's being baked out of them when they go to college. And it was supposed to be the opposite, that when you got to college, and certainly this was my experience in what you would call a university in your part of the, in the, your part of the world, you know, is, is that you really had to defend your, your ideas if you wanted to, if you were like me and you were apt to speak up in class. Uh, you know, you, and, and in law school, it was even more the case. And now I understand that my alma mater, Princeton University, is ranked like the place where people are most intimidated about speaking up and expressing their opinions now. And how that turnaround happened, you know, in the, I don't even have to go back to 1985 when I graduated, but apparently over the course of 10 years, it's, it's, so let's now talk about the cancel stuff. And because you moved over to, 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 to Rumble and it, and it made me think about how extraordinary it is. I, I was looking at, um, I like to watch, I have this thing, being, having ADD. I, I, so one of the things, our people, the ADD people, we need a way of drawing energy off excess energy so we can focus. So there's always music, like while I'm writing a brief, I'm working on a, on a complaint, a defamation complaint. You just might even be able to guess which defamation complaint it is. And there's so much to work with. So I'm having, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to concentrate. So the more I concentrate, the more YouTube I need. Okay. And I'm, so, so I'm watching, you know, again, the 10% extra energy part is watching this you gangster YouTube. And this guy says, Mike Francis, he says, I'm, I'm, you know, heading towards a million subs, you know, help me out. I'm thinking to myself, you know, all the numbers are much bigger than they used to be. Right. You, you remember uh, when 50,000. Uh, absolutely. 50,000 was like, well, a hundred thousand was the biggest thing ever. But even when I got my, it's not behind me, the silver play button, they, they were a dime a dozen by that time. Yeah. The, the numbers have just gotten but bigger. You can build a business. You can have a million subs and 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 make your entire living on YouTube, and some snot-nosed kid, or maybe if it's at your level, it's some vice president, I, who whatever the hell it is, decides. I don't like what he's saying. I don't like what he's saying, and the idea that there should be no accountability for that whatsoever—that you can simply unplug Viva Fry, forget Ron Coleman. No one will even notice the, the difference. I just I just realized. While looking you up, I was going to make a joke starting out about how much richer uh, your Wikipedia page was than mine. I mean, all these interesting things. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's a good stuff, but what a great picture. I mean, you must have. You, they, they, at one point, they had swapped in the uh, my Florida man license picture in there, and I and I liked it more than my that's my running for office picture. But well, uh, so I was so I was going to, uh, you know, compare it to, to mine. Uh, and then I realized that I had been deleted. Uh, yes. Um, as it happens, I'm familiar with the article subject. It's and they've indeed represented clients in some notable cases. But doing so does not by itself make a lawyer notable. Uh, well, I mean, look, who, who the hell cares about Wikipedia? I mean, no one trusts Wikipedia anymore. But the point is that... At that that's that veto power that exists in a real environment, which on YouTube is a real commercial environment. And you're it, you're relying to such a great extent. Well, you've just demonstrated now that you're not going to do that. But so many people have so much at stake. Something's wrong, right? Ron, hold on. Which shirt am I wearing? Yes, sir. <laughs> Politics ruins everything. It's the amazing thing. Like they they'll delete your Wikipedia page, or they'll get into a, a, an edit war because they'll have people trying to sabotage it because they don't like who you're representing. 
you say something that someone doesn't like, mass flagging campaigns, illegitimate. Or, you know, for people who create a lot of content, allow someone to pull up a few things out of context to let these companies do what they want to do anyhow, pretextually. My, you know, everyone always says Section 230, you know, eliminate it, whatever, sue the bastards. My, I, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever done it, and I don't think they have. Deceitful business practices, unjust enrichment for these platforms that make money off you. And I'm not thinking of any examples in particular, but I, I wrote am. a whole paper on this. It is a fraudulent, it is a, it, it is a, indeed a, a, an, what is it? What's the word again? Um, misrepresentation or? Yeah, it, it is a fraudulent business practice to induce someone to do something they otherwise wouldn't do. In other words, come onto my platform, yeah. build a business. Don't spend your money and resources and time. Moreover, I will take your content and use it to attract others to my platform. Mm -hmm. I will benefit from it perhaps massively. But you have no rights whatsoever because of a click-through user agreement. No other area of commerce would we consider that to be acceptable. Where, where, and where, where there are deceitful warranties and representations. They say, free speech platform, come and make yourselves heard. We'll take you. We'll let you make us money. Let's just say you make $100,000 a year, take an easy number, in super chats. YouTube gets 30% uh, of that. Then they say, oh, we get other uses from him. We market to his viewers. We use his base or her base to bring in more people, to market YouTube even more. And then once we think we've made enough money off that person, we've, we've, we've brought in enough new talent. We've brought in enough new eyeballs, new viewers. Well, if we don't like that person anymore, we've got what they need out of them and screw them in the business relationship that we promised to them and divided by for years. I, I don't know how anyone has not already brought this lawsuit, but you know, g well, give it time. So I'm putting on the screen my um my paper, possible for state consumer protection regulation. I don't think there's any additional laws needed. I think that the existing consumer protection statutes do this under the federal under the FTC Act and the little FTC Acts of the, in the individual states. But Texas went ahead and did it, and and I will tell you just between you and me because no one else is listening, and that this paper was in front of. Attorney General Paxson in, in Texas, and their their statute, which was up, now up, upheld by the Fifth Circuit, and that's obviously not a, necessarily a permanent thing, but that's the status of things right now, basically takes these ideas and says, you got to, you know, there's got to be a modicum of protection for, for consumers. You know, I, I, when I had my, and, and if you wanted to trash a Ron Coleman case for purposes of case selection and client selection, not that it wasn't a bona fide claim, but it was a, a doomed claim. My Laura, my Laura Loomer case, okay, which the fact is it was really poorly decided. The judge said there is no business interest, Laura Loomer. Florida has a very high standard, which like in a lot of states do, for showing an expectation interest. And, and I could have lived with that. But what they said was the judge actually said in the opinion, you don't have a commercial, any commercial interest, Laura Loomer, in your Twitter account or in your, in your Twitter account. No commercial interest. There's a there's a contract. There's a contract. In fact, they're pleading that the terms of service. How could that? I mean, well, it's, it's, I mean that that 
statement to me doesn't make much sense since everybody knows it's it's not just a commercial interest, but it's it's a marketable one, and that's why they have you know specifically paid promotion notifications or whatever. But Ron, the, the, you know, the, the only argument that I can see being the strong one is that none of these consumer protection laws would apply to people who are using their YouTube channel as a business. They're no longer consumers, they're now merchants. And so maybe they lose the consumer protection aspect. So, so I'll tell you how, how New Jersey, so New Jersey has a Consumer Fraud Act. And it's, it's quite interesting, and I'm sure it's not unique. It regards as a consumer, any person, a person means a corporation as well, who is buying something, or, or in other words, is involved in a commercial in a transaction that's not their field of commerce. In other words, for per, even though I'm a lawyer and I'm a, a, you know in a commercial lease in a commercial building, but my relationship with the guy who uh, makes the glass for my glass tabletop for my desk is as a consumer, because I'm not in the glass tabletop business. I'm in the law profession, legal profession. So I'm not in the, you know, it, it, I'm I'm not in the video business. I'm I am using YouTube as a platform, and my relationship, and 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 the beauty of that is that that recognizes the the you know the the real power issue, you know, where, where you know again, in and of itself, you would have the you have this entire. I mean, actually. We're preaching to the choir. You and I agree on this. Was was it this experience or this insight of dealing with social media that caused you to make a bit of a political journey, which I know that you have the, over the last few years? Ron, the political journey has been largely involuntary. <laughs> I, I remember one of my earlier memories from my channel pre-2018. You know, at the time, every, everything was a Trump joke, you know, as of 2016. And I remember at one point, someone, it was a video, a family video. I was doing the random stuff and someone made a, 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 a political Trump joke. And I said, no politics, please. That was it. Cause I didn't, I didn't want the toxic environment of politics to permeate into my family channel. And then because the politics ruins everything. Politics ruins everything. And I remember the person's response was, I don't even know why I bother hanging around your, your little channel. Anyhow, the little didn't get me, but I, I did feel bad immediately for having, you know, tried to control conversation, but all that to say, I never wanted to get into politics. I, I never wanted to run for office and I never wanted to, uh, I, I, knowing what I know now, I don't think I would have said back then that I ever want to get exposed to the awfulness, the insidious corruption that is our world. But you're, you're, you're on a stream to some extent in life and, and you can swim as much as you want. You can guide where you're going, but you're going to get pushed that way just by the forces of nature, which is what happened. Um, well, that's right. Everything is, everything is political and if, it, because we, you, when you, you Everyone has to pass a loyalty test now. Well, I'll even go back. Everything was political back in the day when I when I was doing apolitical, you know, just analyzing that McDonald's decision. It's only in hindsight now that I could see how politics permeated that, how mainstream media had a role to play in demonizing the reporting on that case at the time. You know, the, the McDonald's scalding hot coffee. What a stupid woman driving around with coffee between her legs. And that's what everyone remembers. And then they don't know that she wasn't driving that the McDonald's had received hundreds of complaints about scalding hot coffee that was beyond hot for no apparent purpose, that they got complaints, that they knew about the problem that they did. Once you know that, you could still think it's a frivolous lawsuit, but I guarantee you most people didn't know that. And then I discovered just through the ordinary course of analysis, politics has always been ruining everything. And then step into the Alex Jones analysis, which is how I ended up meeting Barnes. 
Well, then you, then you realize politics is everything. And then COVID hit and this, there's, just no, there's no coming back from it. Like this is the world to ignore it is to close your eyes. And that's, you know, you'll, you'll end up walking into walls. But lots of people are really comfortable walking into those walls. They'd rather stand with their face against a wall with, and their feet moving, believing that they're walking, than turn around and question the, the direction that they're facing. And it's an extraordinary thing to see. I mean, one of the things that I realized while working on this document last night, because I, I have to explain to a judge who might not know, and certainly to prospectively to a reporter who probably does or doesn't know, and there's the reporters who cover legal topics tend to be among the stupidest. Um, not stupid. Stream- I, I, I will say stupid. Just oversimplified. They have two minutes to say a narrative talking point, and that's how it. Now you. That might, we'll- that, that might be. You're giving the benefit of the doubt. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, what live streaming is. And one of the things I realized about live streaming is that with chats and super chats, of course. It's an interactive process. And I mean, have you ever in the course of a super chat or, or you know, in, has anyone in, in the chat ever completely thrown you for a loop and all of a sudden you're seeing things in, in you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a live stream that you're doing in a way that you hadn't before? Is, is there any, is that, is that possible? No, um, I can't think of anything like that offhand, but the interactive process you do you learn in real time with the super chats or the comments i mean i bring up a lot of comments as well but it, the interactive process of this is what makes it beautiful and and it's what people love compare that to you get your 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 legal analysts on cnn or or fox news right. who's got 30 seconds to 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 inform you of nothing but that was enough and that is enough for so many people oh Trump raid was totally fine. He had nuclear codes. And then you don't follow the developments. You don't follow the follow-ups. You don't get the legal analysis of any of the nuance, but people still think they have a sufficient uh, understanding until now, which is why I think, you know, that I won't call it the targeted, but there's been some soft and hard censorship on the law tube niche that has developed because hundreds of thousands, millions of people are now getting more analysis, more understanding than they would have ever got. And I think that's 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 making the powers that be somewhat scared. Yes. Yeah, so t- what do you what do you mean? Oh, what do I mean? Hey, like if if there were no if there were none of us about Rittenhouse, people might think that that decision was unjustified. More people. Oh might no, think but, that. but you said that there has been some censorship. Oh, what, oh, oh, there. Well, never mind. There's been people having their accounts flagged, mass flag. Well, channels taken down arbitrary strikes which puts the channel at a, at a penalty you know you, you have uh you have the Rakeda situations you have the robert gruler situations you have the umbrella guy uh, the umbrella guy not even doing legal analysis but sensitizing the world to the fact that johnny depp might not have been foregone guilty as many people thought he was um i didn't think he was guilty i just thought that trial was going to reveal much more bad stuff about johnny depp than amber heard and boy was i wrong but the umbrella guy just you know, analyzing pop culture stuff, exposing it to more people than would otherwise see that narrative, getting brigaded, having people flag child protective services. I mean, th- this is th- the old expression. I forget who it was, but um, controlling the flow of information has been uh, you know, a primary concern for the people that hold the power. Uh, and it was very easy to control up until the advent of the internet. And right. now that the internet has democratized information, democratized the free flow of information, 
got to have people try to get that power back in the hands of those who want to control it, those who want to be the gatekeepers, and governments that want to make sure that the people, the masses, don't get too smart and don't, you know, don't, don't get too informed. And, and and we're really watching it happen in real time. And, and people who 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 for my entire ancient lifetime have 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 styled themselves as civil libertarians and champions of free speech and free expression and speaking truth to power have so willingly become the problem, not part of the problem, the problem, the problem. Because, because they, they view themselves as being on the side of power and not power only in the power sense, but power in the moral virtue sense. So they're right. there, they're the arbiters. They get to say uh, rebel news is disinformation. They should be censored. They get to say Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist. He should be censored, uh, not realizing some of them realize a little you know, sooner than later or later than sooner, then Ethan Klein gets censored. Ethan Klein, H3H3, for a stupid joke. And then I was like, well, but it was just a joke. Oh, it, when you do it, it's a joke. When someone else does it, it's a hate crime. When you do it, it's a mistake. When someone else does it, it's misinformation. And so, you know, in Canada, you got people supporting uh, this Bill C-11, which is the federal um, updating of the Canada Broadcast Act, which would basically govern the internet, govern, what do they call them? Uh, broadcasters, in quotes, YouTube channels, govern them the way they govern radio and television, Ap apply Canadian content requirements, apply disinformation labels, downrank, et cetera. And people support this because they think they're on the side of virtue, they're on the side of power. And, you know, it, 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 it comes easy for them because they don't, they're not yet in the crosshairs or they're not the nail that's taken up, but they will be sooner than later. They just don't understand it until it happens. Not only will they be in the crosshairs, but after the revolution, they're the first ones put up against the wall because they're dangerous. Once they stop being useful, they're actually a danger because they think of themselves as entitled and they're a little bit too, you know, they're, they're miniature, miniature versions of power. And listen, you know, now we sound like Alex Jones ourselves, but <laughs> it's, Alex Jones, above and beyond having been wrong from time to time, having said some very stupid things from time to time, I mean, is is that is that the threshold now? Alex Jones has said some stupid things from time to time. He's been wrong from time to time. He's been hyperbolic all of the time, but that's part and parcel of the delivery. But that that's the standard. So when when Rachel Maddow said that the vaccine will not will prevent transmission, well, that's that's kind of wrong. That kind of, you know, might not insult people. That might not hurt people's feelings. That might actually get people sick and worse. That's fine. It was a mistake. When they, you know, the Russia collusion hoax, that's fine. That was a mistake. The Nicholas Sandman, that's fine. That was a mistake. Oh, but Alex Jones, I can't think of anybody else right now who they're, who they're really, Kanye West. But Kanye here's the thing. Okay, but, but, but you know what? That's, this is generic cancel culture, generic, uh, you know, uh, political correctness stuff. But the thing about Alex Jones is that now you've got a judge, that's only one judge, but a judge who is all in on that. Whatever Alex Jones did, it wasn't defamation. He was he hurt people's feelings. He was a jerk. He said stupid things. He said crazy things. But the idea that a judge would say, oh yeah, no, that's that's enough defamation. That's a defamation thing. I mean, but you tell me about a runaway jury. Where my dreams have been a problem forever, forever. You know, a billion dollars, 
why not $30 million? You know, it's meaningless. It's somebody else's money. It's crazy. But the idea that a judge let that case go to trial, go to a jury, that, I mean, and I'll bring it back to the, you know, bring us back to the beginning of, of, of our discussion as I bring it on home, which is that those of us who are still involved in the legal profession, I, you know, I have seen such a change in, in what will happen in a court, what you can expect, regardless of who nominated a judge, what party he or she came out of. There was this sense that the judiciary was a sort of a backstop. And yes, there was a creeping, you know, a creeping activism that definitely took place over the course of my lifetime. But it wasn't as if you, you would just have these absolutely far out, you know, decisions that, and plus there's like virtually no review. I, I well, think, you know, Ron, it's predictable by politics. I mean, that, that's that's the issue now. And I'm I'm not black-pilled yet, but I'm thoroughly red-pilled and maybe red-pilled enema. Is that, I said, I always said like, you know, the American court system, it's so politicized, you, it's predictive. Canada's not yet there. Canada got there real fast. It got real there real fast, fast under, under it, it might've already been there and I just wasn't aware of it, but under COVID, I mean, you got federal judges um, concluding that mandatory quarantining for healthy people who travel back to Canada at a government quarantine facility isn't a charter violation. Uh, you, got, you got judges concluding that curfew, being told to stay in your house after a certain time for a virus is not a charter violation. You got, a, you got a judge who just, I don't know if you heard about this, but it's its its crazy. There was a charter challenge to Justin Trudeau's most recent um, uh, prohibition on unvaccinated Canadians from boarding planes and trains. The, the last living signatory to the Charter of Rights, Brian Peckford, filed a charter challenge. It goes through the process for nine months, say close to a year. Discoveries for, for over a month with experts, uh, everything. The government lifts or, or suspends the uh, the restriction. And then nine months into the process, after the parties have incurred hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fee expenses, the government makes a motion to dismiss for moot right. because the, the challenge, the impugned restrictions are no longer in effect. They suspended them. And the judge grants it. I mean, and, and so you see, it, it, I, I mean, that one wasn't even predictive because I said as black pilled as I might be close to being, no way the judge dismisses that. It will leave Canadians in despair. And lo and behold, dismissed move yeah. the government can yeah. abuse they're, you they're, they're so doing it stop. all the time they're doing it all the time they're cowards they're they you know it, the, oh great i have been relieved of the responsibility of having to make a decision i have to do my job here and i won't have to you know either write a really stupid opinion or or piss off my boss <laughs> you know crazy viva Thanks for schmoozing with me. Ron, thank you for having me. It's uh, a real it's pleasure. I mean, the funny thing is, it felt like we had known each other in real life yes. before we actually met in real life. It's, no, that's uh, right. And I, we're, 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 it's like that. It's like that. And I think it's because of that. I think it's that same Friday night experience. Yeah. <laughs> Great talking to you. Thanks for same. coming on. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.